Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. All right, guys, welcome back for another episode. In today's episode, we'll be discussing week three of the NFL, some of my takeaways from every single game. It's not going to be as slow as week one. It's going to be like similar to my week two review, so it doesn't take two hours to do. Then we're going to talk Antonio Brown. I'm getting sick of this guy, this character, this clown. But there's more news on him that I want to get to. And then to wrap up today's episode, some Kevin Love, potential Kevin Love trades. I want to do a little NBA, so I'm going to get to that. The old uh, NBA trade machine is coming back, so I'm going to do some potential Kevin Love trades. I think Cleveland should definitely try to move him. Uh, but definitely uh, stay tuned. My NHL predictions are going to be coming out soon. My MLB playoff predictions, we're going to look back at my regular season predictions soon. Uh, my NBA top 100 players entering next season will be coming out soon as well. So just a lot of that stuff to keep an eye out for. But first, we are going to be starting with a week three review of every NFL game. So let's get to that. Okay, so first, I think I'm going to start with a little Thursday night football, which I usually do on like the weekend episode, uh, if you will, you know, my Friday slash Saturday episode. But since I get let it out late Saturday night, it was too late for it. So I'm just going to do Thursday night football now, I guess, while I'm at it. Uh, the Titans, whew. I mean, I, I just told you, after that week one, after that week one win against the Cleveland Browns, I still don't believe in this team. I don't believe in Marcus Mariotti. He's nothing better than a mediocre quarterback. He's a good kid and all, but their defense is a little over average. They're solid. They're not good enough to carry this offense. This is not a very good offense. They don't have a ton of weapons. Their passing game just isn't good. You know, I'll give you a good game or two here and there, like it did in week one, but Derrick Henry can really run the ball. I'd like to see him do it a bit more of a consistent basis, but overall, I, I just can't believe in this Titans team. I really can't. They're okay, uh, and I have to give them credit for being a good 500 team that can sneak into the playoffs sometimes, but really, I mean, you lose 20-7. to I picked the Jaguars to win this game, uh, but the Jaguars really ran the ball poorly. Leonard Fournette was horrible in this game. But Gardner Minshew, um, sixth-round pick. Sixth-round pick. This guy, I heard out of, about him out of college. You know, I looked at a little bit of film on him and kind of looked at his scouting report a little bit. But I didn't really think too highly of him. But he's looked really good. I knew who he was. I was watching Red Zone. I don't have Red Zone. I was over at my friend's house. And I, I knew who he was right away. I was like, oh, that's Gardner Minshew. I didn't expect him to do this, though. I mean, he's really keeping the Jaguars season alive. Uh, I don't know if the Jaguars can make the playoffs like I said they can. I, I just think, yeah, their defense is good, but you got the Jalen Ramsey stuff. Yeah, you won one game against the Titans, but I just don't know. But Gardner Minshew is looking better and better every week. I'm not sure he's their next quarterback or anything like that, but he's looked good. I, I can't lie. Gardner Minshew's looked really good, and I can't wait. I want to see a few more weeks of Gardner Minshew to see if he continues to improve. He faced a pretty good Titans defense and did pretty well against them, considering he had no run support either. Uh, then we'll move over to the 49ers. Uh, winning 24 to 20 over the Pittsburgh Steelers. This 49ers team won a pretty ugly game against a pretty bad team, but nonetheless, they still won, and they are now 3-0 entering their early bye week. Early bye weeks are stink. They're horrible, but the 49ers are going to try to make the most out of it. They're now 3-0. The Niners look really, really good. They had, not really, 
I take that back. They didn't really look very good. They had five turnovers in this game, but they still found a way to win against a banged up, bad, I kind of want to say just bad Steelers team. Uh, I've kind of lost faith in the Steelers team. I thought they'd win their division. I don't think I was wrong in saying that because I didn't expect Juju to struggle like this. I didn't expect James Conner to struggle like this. I didn't predict Ben Roethlisberger's injury. The only one that should be feeling somewhat good about this was Minka Fitzpatrick because they actually somewhat competed. But the Niners are finding ways to win. I'm not sure how much I can believe in them just yet because that was a pretty ugly win against the... guess pretty bad team. I, I hate to say it because I think the Steelers have some talent, but they, yeah, they, they Steelers just don't look good. The Niners, they're going to go into this bye week. They're going to have to clean up some things, but they've got off to a great start. I can't deny that. Yes, they turned the ball over a lot, but in this past game, but hey, I, I can't really shame them too much because they are 3-0 and I think they've shown us they can be a little more than what maybe some people expected and some people predicted they make the playoffs and I know someone who predicted the Bills and 49ers I still doubt both of them will make the playoffs but still I mean they they need to clean up some things but nonetheless the 3-0 starts great the Steelers season is just about over at this point Saints winning 33-27 over the Seahawks Uh, I told you Teddy Bridgewater I wasn't gonna panic it didn't look like he was ready. It really didn't. It looked like Teddy Bridgewater was not ready to play against the Rams last week. It kind of felt like he was just kind of sitting on the bench with the clipboard, just learning that all of a sudden he was in the game, and it kind of caught him off guard. This week he's had a week to prepare under a good coach and system, uh, and Sean, uh, Sean, not in the Sean McVay, Sean Payton system, and I think he was really ready this week. Um I thought the offensive line really helped him out. That's a deadly front seven that the Seattle Seahawks have. So I think when you can control their front seven, things become very easy for the quarterback. All of a sudden, the thing that you have to worry about with the Seahawks defense, they have a horrible secondary. That's not what you have to worry about, but their front seven. If you can control their front seven and give your quarterback time to throw, he can really exploit that secondary. That was the game with the Seahawks. The Seahawks rely so heavily on their front seven because if their front seven doesn't generate sacks and pressure and whatnot, then the secondary is going to get exploited. That's what happened. It was a great game plan by the Saints. Let's really focus on make sure our blocking is good. They gave Teddy Bridgewater time. That's a guy that you got to give a little bit of time to. Uh, you know, kind of a young quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater. They gave him time, and he was able to exploit that bad secondary. I thought they they had a great game plan going into this game. That was a good win by the Saints. Uh, without Drew Brees. Uh, I don't count out the Saints at all, especially after this win. That's a good Seahawks team that they just beat. Uh, and the Seahawks just, they it's been an eh season so far. They barely beat the Bengals. They barely beat the Steelers. They barely beat two bad, I'm going to say bad AFC teams at this point. And then, yeah, they have not looked great. They're a 2-1 team that has not looked great. I want to see more. Russell Wilson had a great game. And he's making the most out of his receiving core. But the running back core is just becoming, you know, somewhat unreliable. You know, Penny's out. Carson's just seems like he's due for an injury. Uh, and his ball security has been horrible. Uh, he keeps fumbling and fumbling and fumbling. I mean, Chris Carson, he really needs to protect the ball because this is a Seahawks team that you you want to give Russell Wilson as many possessions as possible and let him work his magic. Handing it off to Chris Carson, he's fumbling. The ball security's got to be better. I'm not sure who they trust outside of Chris Carson. 
Uh, and then we move over to the Texans winning 27-20 to over the Chargers. Uh, the Texans overall look good. I thought they were really starting to click offensively. The offensive line looked really good, too. That's a very talented front seven they were facing in the Los Angeles Chargers. The Los Angeles Chargers front seven, I mean, was very talented. And they really did a good job. It was kind of like the Saints. Their offensive line looked really, really good. I mean, I expect more out of the Saints offensive line than I do the Texans, especially compared to the Texans offensive lines that line they've had before. But their offensive line looked good. You gave... Um, Deshaun Watson, a lot of time in the pocket and Watson's a guy who has kind of adjusted to having, you know, poor protection and, you know, having to use his legs and whatnot, but who does not like being kept clean in the pocket? I mean, if you ask a quarterback, would you rather be sacked 50, 60 times in a season or be sacked 20 times in a season? They're going to say 20. They'd rather take less hits. They'd rather be kept clean in the pocket rather than always having to have their head on a swivel because they have a poor offensive line they don't trust. The Chargers, I told you, I just don't trust this team. As much as I love Austin Eckler and some of the guys that they have, I just don't I just don't like it. I think they're an injury-prone team. Uh, they were horrible in the second halves. They're horrible. They're 45. They've been on score 45 to 10 so far. Uh, they have not been very disciplined. A lot of penalties, a lot of turnovers. So far, they've been 1-2. and two. They're struggling. They're going to face Miami next week. That's a game that they should definitely bounce back and win. Just take a nice pit stop. All right, it's been a tough first three weeks. It's been a bit of a tough schedule. I mean, they barely won their first game. So it's been a tough three weeks for a Chargers team that, not me, but a lot of people thought would have a pretty good season. They're going to go down, take a pit stop, face this my a winless Miami team that seems like one of the worst uh, teams the NFL has ever uh, witnessed or encountered in their league. So it's just going to be a nice game for the Chargers to kind of settle down and just go to Miami, get the win. Just That's all they need to do. Just go down to Miami, get the win. That That's all they have to focus on. Just get 2-2, two and two, gain a little bit of confidence. Then we move over to the Panthers beating the Cardinals 38-20. to 20. Uh, Kyle Allen looked pretty good. I like what they have because Cam Newton, I'm not a big believer in. Kyle Allen looked okay. I think Will Greer's got something there too, but they didn't want to rush Will Greer in. Uh, but... Kyle Allen, this team just looked good. The Panthers look good. I mean, that's a Cardinals defense that's average, really. That's not a great Cardinals team that they were facing, but Kyle Allen looked solid. Uh, just overall as a unit, offensively, they look good. And again, I, you know, I don't know if Kyle Allen's going to continue to do this. I don't know, you know, how good is the Cardinals defense, really. Uh, but that's uh, not too much to say about the Panthers. Just a nice, convincing win after a poor 0-2 start. Then for the Cardinals, yeah, the season, it's clear. It's what we all thought. The Cardinals were going to struggle this year, okay? that's That's been pretty clear. I mean, Kyler Murray has looked solid. Uh, but there's a lot of things that they need to address. Cliff Kingsbury needs to address and try to clean up some of their, you know, issues. It, it seems like there's something different, like, every week with this Cardinals team. Like, you know, there's one issue, and then kind of goes away, and then there's another issue. But they're just going to have to fight through it. Uh, Kyler Murray, I think, looks solid so far. He has a lot of learning to do, though. And that was a solid Panthers defense he was facing, and he didn't look horrible. He didn't look great either, but he's just going to have to continue to learn uh, in a system that really uh, suits 
I, I wouldn't say his needs, but really suits his play style. Then we move over to the what a game. Giants 32, Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31. This is a great game between two teams uh, with very low expectations, right? I mean, no one expects the Giants to make any noise. People think the Buccaneers are at best an eight-win team at best. Uh, I like the Bucs a little more than some people do. I just like the potential they have. I, I, I like Devin White. I like Jameis Winston. There's potential, at least. Uh, but Daniel Jones, wow. I mean, this guy is incredible. I just want to say for the record, I didn't hate the pick. Okay? And I'm not trying to be one of those guys. I didn't hate the. I, I didn't love the pick either. I gave it a pretty sour grade because I thought they reached for him. Why not get Josh Allen with the sixth pick and get Daniel Jones with the 17th? That's what my thought process was. But overall, I said I don't hate Daniel Jones. I don't love him. I didn't expect this out of him. But I don't hate him. It's just I thought that was a big reach. But he's looked great. And that, that makes Dave Gettleman look like a genius. Everyone ha- doubted Daniel Jones and he's came in. And he's done great. You know, Saquon Barkley, though, gets hurt. And that that's a tough that's a tough bullet to bite for this team and a lot of people are saying why is Saquon only taking 10 to 15 carries a game and I respond the Giants aren't winning yes if they were trying to win you feed Saquon the ball that's what they're gonna have to do at least with Eli Manning going into week three they're like Saquon needs more touches like no you want to make sure Saquon doesn't get hurt you want to keep him fresh you want to keep him healthy for the future he's the face of this franchise he went out and got hurt uh four to six weeks there, that's going to be a lot of Daniel Jones. I th- I would have waited another week or two on Daniel Jones. That's what I said. But after last week, I don't know if I can argue with what they did. Uh, but Daniel Jones, wow. I mean, you look at the stat, 300 yards. It, in the second half alone, he had 300 passing yards for three total touchdowns. And that is something Eli Manning never did in his career. Throw for over 300 yards and a total of three touchdowns in a half. Eli Manning never did that. Daniel Jones' first start. So I'm just saying, and I know I'm not even going to overhype Daniel Jones just yet. I think he'll be a great player. We've seen what he's done in the preseason. We just saw what he just did. Let's see him face a real defense. I'm not a huge believer in that Bucks defense. I know they play pretty well in week two, but still. I want Daniel Jones to really get accustomed facing a few tough defenses here. Uh, but nonetheless, he's looked great. I think he'll be just fine in the NFL. Uh, the Bucks. Uh, you know, it was great game by Mike Evans for the first half, at least. And they looked really good in the first half. James Winston looked really good. Mike Evans looked really good. Overall, the Bucks looked like they kind of just dominated the Giants, and then they just lost it. Matt Gay, their kicker, oh, he was he missed the, the field goal. He was 33, 34 yards, something like that. And he missed it with four seconds left. I remember watching it. I just got home. And it was on the TV, so I was just like, oh, this is a good ending. And they marched down the field. Mike Evans had that catch. They clocked the ball. He missed the kick, uh, the rookie. And, ooh, he's, he's kind of struggled. He really has. He missed the extra point on the opening possession. He missed a kick against the Panthers, too. But I don't think we can blame it all on him. I mean, their defense, too, in the second half was horrible. I mean, you saw Daniel Jones lit them up. I mean, lit them up. With no Saquon either. I mean, you were facing a Giants offense that was facing a you were facing a Giants offense that had a rookie quarterback getting his first start, and it was basically a no Saquon Barkley for half the game. 
How do you let up 32 points to that? I mean, Daniel Jones is just a magician, really. He looked like it. Uh, but I'm not going to hype him up too, too much, although I do think he'll be a solid pro. Then we move over. Bills beating the Bengals 21-17. to Yeah, I the Bills, not too sold on the 3-0 start. They've had such an easy schedule. They were able to stay in New York for the first two weeks and face a Jets team that they really only beat because C.J. Mosley came out of the game. And once C.J. Mosley came out of the game, they really started to find it. And then they faced the Giants. You got to stay in New York for two weeks. You're from Buffalo. It's basically a home game for you. And you got to stay in the same city two weeks and face two pretty bad teams. Then you face the Cincinnati Bengals and almost lost. I don't believe in this offense. I really don't. I like Sean McDermott, especially as a defensive mind. I think this they have a very experienced defense that's not too exotic or wild, but they get the job done. They're good. Their offense is just inexperienced, bad. I don't believe in Josh Allen. Devin Singletary's been solid, yes. But overall, I just don't believe in their offense, and that's why I don't believe in this 3-0 start. They've had an easy schedule. And, also, you know, they'll, and the bad decisions by Josh Allen. He's made too many bad decisions, and he's going to have to limit, really limit them, maybe have none against the Patriots if they really want a chance at winning. But the Bills' defense is going to give the Patriots some struggles. I think it's going to be the first like real game for the Patriots here. The Bengals, I, I mean, I don't know what to say. It's been an 0-3 start that hasn't been an 0-3 start, I guess you could say. They almost beat the Seahawks. Uh, and then week two, they kind of got creamed by the 49ers. And he almost won this game. You've had a, you know, not an easy, but not a hard schedule either. You, I mean, not a hard, but not an easy schedule either. It's been a solid schedule you've had so far. And you've had, I don't want to say good losses, but two of your three losses have been close, close games against solid teams. Like the Seahawks and Bills have solid teams. I think the Bengals just have to realize, yes, we're probably not going to go anywhere this year, but we haven't uh, we haven't been horrible for 0-3. The Bengals have actually played better than I thought. I thought they'd be 3-13, second-worst record in the league behind only the Dolphins. They've looked okay so far. I won't lie. And that's, Zach, that's credit to Zach Taylor. Despite their 3-0-3 start, that's a bad team, and they've played better than most expected. I mean, you that's why you can't just look at the surface, because they played a little better than 0-3, given they're no playoff team or anything. Uh, and then we move over. Cowboys beating the Dolphins 31-6. to uh, I got a little scared at the beginning. Miami arguably outplayed Dallas in that first half. I was like, whoa, what just happened? Uh, Josh Rosen came in and actually looked solid in the first half. Uh, but then Dallas just kind of went to the locker room, settled down, said, boys, th- this is the Dolphins. And they're just like, we're, we're, we're kind of getting outplayed here. And then they went back out. And uh, just destroyed the Dolphins in that second half, and it was it was uh, at least I guess you could say a sight to see that second half. The Cowboys just played Dallas Cowboys football and creamed a very very bad Dolphins team. Then we move over Vikings beating the Raiders thirty four to fourteen. Ooh, this one was uh, a bit of a not even a bit a really bad game by the Oakland Raiders. Like this. Kind of ugly, honestly. Uh, they they got to really hold themselves accountable. No one should feel comfortable after that loss. They played bad. I mean, bad. I mean, Stefan Diggs didn't have a great game, but, like, Dalvin Cook had a very good game. Kirk Cousins looked solid. Adam Thielen had a very good game. Their 
Vikings defense was good overall. The Vikings had a convincing win. Dalvin Cook has looked great so far this season. My only problem with Dalvin Cook is the health. I mean, I didn't expect them to have this type of year. I always thought Dalvin Cook's a bit overrated. It, it, like, underrated, like, he's not talked about a lot, but for the people that talk about Dalvin Cook, they overrate him. I was wrong, okay? I didn't expect him to do this. I was wrong. My bad. The offensive line has been a lot better. He's a lot better than I expected. But still, the health. Can he stay healthy and consistently do this 16 games and possibly more? That That's my question uh, to him. But for the Raiders, I mean, their season's basically over. I never – I always thought it was over. With or without Antonio Brown, really. And – I don't know what else to say. This Raiders team its just got a lot of holes. They've got a lot of things to fix, and I just don't know. It's going to be be a long season in Oakland. Pa- my Patriots beating the Jets 30-14 to in convincing fashion. This Patriots defense has been incredible. I mean, they were pressuring Luke Falk like every play, but the Jets, are the Jets even trying? This is a Jets team who had the possibility of making the wild card game, or at least coming close to it. Sam Darnold goes down with an injury. It's like they're not even trying anymore. It's third and 20 in the first half, and they're handing off the ball to Le'Veon Bell. Bell is going to get hurt, or Bell something's going to happen to Le'Veon Bell because you can't – I mean, I feel bad for him. It's so obvious what they're doing. Everyone in their mother – knows that the ball is going to Le'Veon Bell on almost every single play. This guy is just getting harassed by defenses. He's the only weapon. It kind of reminds me of LaShawn McCoy last season with the Bills. He's really their only weapon, except this is probably worse. This is probably worse, honestly. But the Patriots defense, nonetheless, we all know they have the talent. We all know they look really good. Uh, Tom Brady looked like Tom Brady. He was hitting all sorts of different weapons. Uh, but overall, Jared Stidham, what happened there, Stidham? What happened? That interception was not good. Gunnar Olszewski, just a few rookie mistakes. Jared Stidham makes a bad pass. Gunnar Olszewski muffs a punt. That's how the Jets got their 14 points. They capitalized off rookie mistakes on special teams and on defense. Their offense was horrible. Their defense was not very good either, but they capitalized off of a Jared Stidham miss throw. They capitalized off a Gunnar Olszewski uh, muff punt. That doesn't take away. What a special teams play by Matthew Slater at the goal line. I mean, this is why Matthew Slater is one of the best. Uh, what he does, he's just he's – just, I love Matthew Slater. Like, he's just such a good guy. He's a team captain, and he really just makes those winning plays uh, on special teams. And that's kind of what separates the Patriots from other teams, How just how detailed they are. Like, special teams-wise, they, can, they just practice that stuff. They're detailed. They're dedicated. Just those little things that they get right, and that's what makes the difference. Uh, Packers beating the Broncos 27-16. Uh, those Smiths, Preston Smith and Zedaria Smith, have looked amazing. The Packers' defense overall has been better than most people thought. They faced a pretty bad Broncos offense. No one can deny that, although Philip Lindsay really ran all over him. But they need to be a little better run defense, uh, defensively, run defensively. Uh, I can't say it. But they put pressure on the quarterback. Their secondaries look good. Uh, the Broncos really, their season's over. I get. I, I don't know what else to say. They're going to face Jacksonville next week. That's going to be a rock fight. I mean, that's just going to be defense, defense, defense. Unless Gardner Minshew can continue with success or Joe Flacco can 
pull some 2012 magic or something like that. I don't know. Uh, but the next game we'll get to 27 to 24 win for the Detroit Lions over the Philadelphia Eagles. Some people like were really predicting the Lions could pull off this upset against the Eagles. My problem with the Eagles is they have the talent. They're just getting injured and they're inconsistent. I feel like all the time the Eagles have these games where they just lose. It's just like, what happened? I feel like this happened for the past two years. Like this season, last season, it's just been this is very talented Eagles team. How you know you went in like how are you losing? How is this a close game? Just they're inconsistent. There's some games they win in convincing fashion. Uh, not usually. There's usually games that you'd expect them to win by a lot more, especially considering their talent. I I don't know. I get a little sketched out by this Eagles team, but. They, they just made a lot of mistakes. Injuries are starting to hurt them. But the Lions are 2-0-1. Then again, the 49ers are 3-0. The Bills are 3-0. So, it's the first three weeks. The Lions tied the Cardinals. The Lions... I guess you could say they're undefeated because, I mean, they're 2-0-1. But they tied the Cardinals, which is what I was trying to say. But... The Lions have looked solid so far, but I'm not ready to hop on the Lions are winning the NFC North or the Lions are going to the playoffs type trade. Not, No, I'm not doing that. Then we move over to the Colts beating the Falcons 27-24. Another similar score here. Uh, Jacoby Brissett has really uh, paid dividends. The Colts did not draft him. He's on the Patriots, but then the Patriots, uh, the Colts traded Philip Dorsett, a former first-round pick. For Jacoby Brissett, and Brissett's look good. I mean, they gave him that extension before he really even played for them, and he it's paid off. Like, I was like, wow, that's early. Uh, Jacoby Brissett really proved people he can throw downfield. A lot of people are like, yeah, you've got a decent arm short game, but, you know, long game's not your game, and I still am not going to, you know, buy too much of the cheese. That's an undisciplined defense that he's facing in the Falcons, but still. And then that moves over the Falcons. Discipline. Oh my god, 16 penalties? I mean, they they oh my god, that was a ridiculous game for the Falcons. The Falcons is another one of those like not like non-dependable teams. Like you can't depend on them to just go in there and get the job done consistently. There's always just wacky games that he loses. And this was another one. Like them and the Eagles are similar. Both birds both faced each other last week. Not to the point I'm getting up. They both lost 27-24. Most of all, they're just not dependable. I mean, they'll go into a game they feel like they should win, but they don't. And people kind of start to see it coming now. Like, a lot of people pick the Colts and the Lions to win this week. Then we move over to the Chiefs, edging out the Ravens 33-28. to uh, The Chiefs, I mean, they, they just pull off the comeback. Uh, they suffered a lot of injuries, but it goes to show their depth. Like, Darrell Williams, Meikle Hardman, Demarcus Robinson just showed up and showed some of that depth that they have, and they've been able to overcome injuries, and they make that comeback against a Ravens team that's looked good. And when I look at the Ravens, they proved a lot to me, a lot good and bad. They proved to me Lamar Jackson has improved. I mean, he's facing a bad Chiefs defense, but still, he was like, eh. Lamar Jackson was kind of struggled for basically three of the four quarters, really, when I, when you think about it, even though they put up 28 points. And Lamar Jackson has showed me he's improved his passing ability, but he's still not elite. And the Ravens overall have shown me they're a team that we should take seriously, but not as seriously as a lot of us thought after the first two weeks. 
that's basically how I look at it. The Ravens proved a lot of good and bad, and I still want to see more Ravens football before I make a definite read on their team. Then we move over to the Rams. Sunday night football, beating the Browns 20-13. to The Rams, though, they need to find that offensive consistency, especially in the first half. One of these times, they're going to lose a game because they couldn't get off to that early start. That's what they need to do. I need to see more consistency out of this offense. Defensively, they were good. Uh, But the Browns, I really thought the Browns could make that comeback. Goff throws that interception. They convert the third and 15. They start marching down the field. You get the interception. It felt like all the momentum was on Cleveland's side. And then Freddie Kittens... Kitchens, I know, but Freddie, I call him Freddie Kittens, messes it up. First and goal, they ran four plays in the, you know, first and goal, second and goal, third and goal, fourth and goal, all passing plays. You would have thought, you would have thunk it after the, the first play blows up, you try a running play, right? And then if that kind of only gains you a yard or two, you know, you can try a passing play, sure. But if, he, if you know, Nick Chubb pounds you down to the one, Third, you know, you've got two plays to try to punch it in there or, you know, run some sort of trickery. You know, you do you. Uh, but the Browns just kind of missed an opportunity to kind of prove some people wrong. Yeah, we just beat the Rams. I'm not still not completely sold on the Rams. I want to see more offensive consistency overall. I still think the Rams will be a playoff team. But then again, you have to remember, they've got two, uh, not two other. I always say that because... Seahawks lost, that's right. But the Seahawks still saw a team, the Niners 3-0. They're still going to be undefeated by week five. They're going to get a bye week this week. So still not sold, sold on the Rams, but they'll be just fine. Browns, though, I'm starting to really get worried about. But they really had a chance there to prove some people wrong. Then Monday Night Football, last game, we'll be reviewing Bears winning convincing fashion over the Redskins, 31-15. to Mitchell Trubisky looked a little better, kind of like Lamar Jackson. Not no, not like Lamar Jackson. No, no, kind of opposite. Like Lamar Jackson looked really good, and they proved he looked okay. Mitchell Trubisky looked pretty bad, and tr- tr- proved he looked okay. Mitchell Trubisky was okay. He's a little. He proved himself a little. Like uh, yeah, he's a little better. He's gotten a little better. But overall, I mean, who Taylor Gabriel? Wow. I mean. Three touchdowns, he kind of came out of nowhere, then left the game with, with the concussion. But he had, like, that underthrow to Allen Robinson, uh, his accuracy. It's always been a problem with Trubisky accuracy. I remember just, like, I I didn't watch a lot of Mitchell Trubisky. Like, I heard about Mitchell Trubisky, and I watched him, yeah, of course, last year. But I never really watched a full game with Mitchell Trubisky or really took it too seriously. I just heard what I heard. And then I watched him play last year, first play of the game against the Patriots. He overthrew, like, Tariq Cohen in the flat. Like, it was a three-yard out route, like a, a three-yard check down to Tariq Cohen out in the flat, wide open, and he missed him. Overthrew him. I was like, oh, this is what they're talking about. Like, the the it's an issue. Then the Redskins, I mean, is it time to throw in Dwayne Haskins? Daniel Jones is now in. Kyler Murray was starting from the start. Uh, I didn't mean to, like, rhyme, I guess you could say like that. But, no. It's not time. Don't rush Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins should be shit sitting on the sideline with a clipboard. Dwayne Haskins just isn't ready. He hasn't looked ready in the preseason. Don't rush him in. Uh, Keenum made a lot. Yeah, we did have like five turnovers in that game. But still, the, the Redskins aren't competing for anything. Just keep Keenum in. Don't rush Dwayne Haskins. If anything, if you really want to sit Keenum, 
get a, a guy off free agency, some pick someone up. Dwayne Haskins isn't ready, but I just start Keenum week four. And if anything, with Colt McCoy out, I guess you could try to pick up a reliable old veteran backup quarterback and make give yourself four quarterbacks. And then maybe when Colt McCoy comes back, if you know that backup that you pick up isn't looking so great, you can just cut him. I don't know. But the Redskins, if they really, really, really want to start sit Case Keenum, don't start Dwayne Haskins. He's not ready. He should be sitting on the sideline with the clipboard. Don't rush him. I hate when teams rush a guy who's not ready and then they just ruin his career. Josh Rosen, latest example. So that is my review over week three in the NFL. Uh, again, Anchor Mobile app, anything is on the table. You can call in on the Anchor Mobile app. So now we're going to get to the latest on Antonio Clown. So let's get to that. Okay, so I'm just going to try to keep this short and sweet if I can. I'm getting sick of talking about this guy every single day. Really, and I guess it gives me something to talk about, but I've got options. And it's not a ton. I mean, compared to what Antonio, what I've had to talk about to Antonio Brown in the past, this isn't huge. He says he's done playing in the NFL and he's enrolled in classes in what? Michigan, Central Michigan. I don't even know, right? I don't, I, I think it's Central Michigan. Well, I don't even care. He says he's done with the NFL. Do I buy it? Uh, no, I don't. I think he'll be back. I do. Not immediately, though. He's enrolled in these classes. I think NFL teams don't want a piece of Antonio Brown at the moment. I think they say, let's let all this uh, you know, stuff pass that's going on with him right now. No team – I mean, Drew Rosenhaus, his agent, said there's interest in him. But I, I think Antonio Brown right now wants a little bit of a break from the NFL. He's enrolled in these classes. I don't think he's very interested right now, and I don't think teams are interested in him. In a year, maybe this next offseason, his classes are done. If he if he even falls through, maybe he drops out of class after a month. I don't know. But maybe he starts to miss football a little bit. Teams say, maybe we'll give him another chance. Not even that. Just, you know what? Some of these other things have passed. Let's see if we can try to tolerate his behavior. I think one team's going to give a crack at it. Like, get desperate. Get that desperate that they're going to want him. I think... Not immediately, but I think Antonio Brown will come back. I don't know what else to say. Like, this has just been two minutes. i just done. I'm just done talking about Antonio Brown. I am, for at least a little bit, right? Like, I just, it feels like the NFL is now just centered around this one diva. And I don't like it. I don't. I hate talking about this guy every day. It's something new. It's just stupid. It's something new. You know, it's a threat. Oh, I don't want to play in the NFL anymore. Like, yeah, really? He said you retire. I mean, maybe he does. I don't even care. I'm just done with him. I really am. I'm done. And it gets interesting every once in a while. But when you talk, it's like it's like eating the same thing for dinner for three like a month straight. Imagine doing that, eating the same thing for dinner a month straight. That's what I feel like right now. Talking about this clown, this idiot, every single day. Not even on my podcast. I feel like I hear about him all day. Like, I'm getting a headache right now. I'm not yelling that loud, okay? I am-ish. But just looking at him, just talking about Antonio Brown. Anton- oh my god, it is giving me a headache. Someone give me some Tylenol or something. To- I'll leave. I don't know. I mean, I, I like this guy is going to... I'm starting to have dreams about him. It's just all I hear about is Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, like... 
I, I can't do it. I can't. I can't do it. The guy's a good player, but I can't. Every, like, it's crazy what he's doing. And maybe I'm over-exaggerating this a bit, but you don't know how annoying it is to talk about this guy. Because, oh, something else new with Antonio Brown. Something Like, I'm done. Uh, he might have CTE. I, I think he does. No one can be this crazy, this stupid, no matter how much money they get. I don't even care if they get a penny every year or they get $100 million. There's no way. There's no way somebody is this stupid. There's no way. It has to be CT. There's got to be something wrong with them. There has to be some mental health issue. There has to be. There has to be. There is no way. A guy that was homeless when he was 16. A guy that looked like he had no future whatsoever. Got to the top. This underdog story. I don't even care if you're not an underdog. No one should be like this. There's something wrong. There is something wrong. There is no doubt about it in my mind. There is something wrong with this guy. There's some mental health issue. There's some CTE. There's no doubt about it. I, I, I don't know what else to say. There's no way someone asks this, acts this idiotic. It's just not a chance, right? There, there just can't be. I'm done. I'm done talking about this guy. What do you guys think? Is he going to play? Is he going to not? I think he'll play at some point, just not immediately. But I'm done. I'm done talking about Antonio Clown. It's over. I, I. It's not over. It isn't over. I want it to be over, but it's not over. At least be over for a week, two weeks, a month. A month would be great. Give me a break. Give me a break. Just give me like that little time where I don't have to talk about you. Because this guy's just seeking attention at this point. Seek good attention. Do good things. Right? Attention doesn't have to be caused by bad things. You donate to charity. That's not enough attention for you? Like, oh, he donated some money to charity. Like, no, it's got to be, like, bad attention. Like, something that's going to get touch the eye of millions of people. Like, God. Oh, my God. This is... Ugh. Well, you know what? You know what? Now, I, we're just going to get to the Kevin Love stuff. We're going to wrap up today's episode uh, with a little NBA uh, trade machine. I'm pretty excited because we haven't done one of these in a while, and I'm pretty excited to move off of talking about Antonio Brown. We're done. Case closed. Moving on. So if you know me, I'm a guy who absolutely hated the Kevin Love contract extension from the from Cleveland standpoint. I thought he was a guy who they should have extended possibly for one year, see what he can do, try to trade him, right? One, maybe two years. Four years for a guy who's been injury prone and prone, not prone, prone past his prime, and you're a tanking, rebuilding team. I get it. You want him to be your leader and all that, but the guy's just injury prone at this point. Try to trade him while he still has value. I don't know why teams would even be interested in him. Uh, the Celtics are one of these five teams. There are a few other teams that I'll mention at the end that I didn't add in here that I think could be possible destinations. The only reason I didn't add them was because when I went to go do the trade, it they didn't really have the pieces at the moment. Uh, if you, I'll explain. Basically, they didn't have the right guys that would make a deal. Like, the, just the deal would be too uneven, or they just didn't have the right guys to fill in contract needs, whatnot. The first trade that I have, uh, these are hard because I'm, I'm not really too sure what Kevin Love's value is. So some of these trades are a bit maybe lopsided. 
Uh, the first trade, the Heat would receive Kevin Love, Milwaukee's 2022 first-round pick, and Cleveland's 2021 second-round pick. Four, and the Cavaliers would receive Bam Adebayo, Kenny Olynyk, Myers Leonard, and the Heat 2025 first-round pick. I think this is a pretty uh, good, it's pretty good compensation for the Cavaliers. You get Bam Adebayo, a guy who can be your center for the future, and you don't have to take on two somewhat. Like, Myers Leonard isn't a horrible contract, but... Kelly Olenek's a pretty bad contract, but you do get a solid pick, a great young center, not great, but a very good young center, and you give up Kevin Love. You do have to give up Milwaukee's 2022 first-round pick, but that pick doesn't have a ton of value, and they have to give up a second-round pick. I'd say this is a pretty fair trade for both sides if the Heat really think Kevin Love can put them over to the top. Like, if they really sit there and say, we want to contend now, we're okay with giving up Kelly Olynyk. We're okay with giving Myers Leonard and Adebayo hurts, but if that if we think that's if we really want to go over the top, we're gonna give this guy up. And the first round pick, it's a risky one. Any team giving up twenty twenty five first round pick, even if it looks like they have such a bright future, like who do you think has the best young core in the league? Ask yourself that. Maybe the Hawks, maybe the Pelicans, whoever it is. I don't know. I'm not even sure it's them. Maybe the Kings. I don't know. Whatever team that is. Even them giving up 2025 first-round pick is such a risk. I think if I were a general manager, I'd try to get one or two 2025 first-round picks from other teams that may be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we probably won't need that. And they could turn out to have some great value. Just the NBA changes like that. I don't know what the price tag on those are, but, I mean, there's something. They, those, could, those could be hidden gems. Uh, then we move over to the Celtics. Uh, the Celtics will receive Kevin Love and Antti Zizic, who they traded in the Kyrie Irving trade. He's a center to the Cavaliers for Gordon Hayward in their first round pick. Uh, for the Cavaliers, this would be a pretty bad trade if you ask me. They're basically swapping bad contract for bad contract, but the Cavaliers have a ton of interest in Gordon Hayward. We all know that. We've known that. Like they have a lot of interest in Gordon Hayward, so I think they're gonna overpay for Gordon Hayward in a way. For the Celtics, though, it's a if you ask me from a Celtics fan standpoint, I don't like this trade, to be honest. I don't hate it, but I don't love it either just because I'd rather have Gordon Hayward than Kevin Love. Gordon Hayward uh, gets about just on $3.8 million more than Kevin Love, but he's only on the books for the next two years. Kevin Love's on the books for the next four years. Hayward is a guy who, yes, had that big injury, but he's not going to be out like the whole season like it seems like Kevin Love is. And yeah, we do get Zizic, a nice young center, but he'll never really do anything in the league. And then we have to give our first round pick too. We do have two more first round picks from Memphis and uh, I forgot the other team, but we have another first round pick anyway. But still, I'm just not a big fan of this trade for either sides, but the Cavaliers have a lot of interest in Gordon Hayward, so I wouldn't be too shocked if they did it. Moving on to the Portland Trailblazers. I think this is a, a sneaky team to get Kevin Love. Uh, the Cavaliers will receive Hassan Whiteside, a, the, tra the Trailblazers' 2020 first-round pick, the Trailblazers' 2022 first-round pick, and the Trailblazers' 2022 second-round pick for Kevin Love. Hassan Whiteside for Kevin Love straight up. No, Cavs are not going to do that. Hassan Whiteside is already 30 years old. He's getting just $1 million less each year than Kevin Love is. It's clear both of them are getting overpaid. I mean, a healthy Kevin Love maybe not getting overpaid, but 
Hassan Whiteside definitely getting overpaid. Whiteside's just a guy who is an overrated defender. He's not very disciplined defensively. I mean, he's not a good team defender. And he's just a guy who needs a higher motor overall. And he's a guy with some potential, but he's 30 years old. And I don't know if he'll ever unlock that at this point. And then you get some picks. You get to stash up two first-round picks along with the second. The 2020 first-round pick probably won't have much value. But the 2022 one could. It really could. I mean, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum will be a little worse at that point. The Trailblazers don't have a lot of cap space, especially if they get Kevin Love. They won't have any. And they don't have a very good young core either. That pick could have a little more value than you think. But the Trailblazers get a player in Kevin Love who, when healthy, could really set them over the top. He's a guy who could give them some more rebounding. He's a guy who could give them, you know, really space the floor for them. And I think they need some of those more, uh, more of those guys who can really space the floor on the wing. Uh, like, they got, can like, who, what wings? I, like, yeah, you got Damon CJ, but what wings do they have that can really space the floor? They don't, and I think they need some of those guys. Some of those 3 and T wings would be so helpful. Like, Baysmore can play the defense, he just doesn't have the shooting. For example, they acquired him, uh, him for Evan Turner uh, in a trade. Rockets, this is a trade with the Rockets. This one, the Rock, this one I don't like because it, the Rockets wouldn't do this. Uh, but... And the Cavaliers doesn't even make a ton of sense for either team when I think about it. I want to rework this trade, but there were no other deals that worked, which is what bothered me. But yeah, the Rockets would receive Kevin Love, and the Cavaliers would receive Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, Melvin Frazier, Rockets' 2023 first-round pick, and the Memphis' 2022nd-round pick. The reason I don't like this deal is because the Rockets overpay for Kevin Love but the Cavaliers get a ton of veterans when they need young players. You get where I'm saying coming with this? They don't need P.J. Tucker. They don't need a Eric Gordon. Melvin Frazier doesn't matter. So it just doesn't make sense for either side. The Cavaliers, like when you go value for value, if you just went off pure value, that is a great trade for the Cavaliers. But when you factor in age, that does not make sense for the Cavaliers, and it clearly doesn't make sense for the Rockets. Yes, the Rockets could use a player like Kevin Love, another player who can space the floor, but P.J. Tucker does the same thing, and he gives you the defense. And I'm not saying P.J. Tucker's better than Kevin Love. I'm just saying that this just, not, just doesn't make sense for either side. But I want to throw the Rockets on their bad because I think Kevin Love would be a good fit there. This is a team that clear- Daryl Morey clearly wants to make a splash. When he traded for Russell Westbrook, he made that clear. The owner made that clear. He wants to make that clear. He wants to make a splash. It was clear he was not going to win with that core that he had last season. So he went out there, trades Chris Paul, takes a huge risk, really rolls the dice with Russell Westbrook. How will those two fit together? I'm not sure. But you had Kevin Love. You're making another big move. This just doesn't really make a ton of sense. Then the last trade I have is with the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets would receive Kevin Love. Cavaliers 2021 second round pick and Washington 2022 second round pick. And Cavaliers would receive Gary Harris, Will Barton, and the Nuggets 2022 first round pick. I'd say this is a pretty fair trade if the Nuggets ha- really are interested in Kevin Love. Overall, though, I'd say the Cavs would win this deal. I'm just not a Kevin Love fan. I'm not a huge Gary Harris fan either, but he can't deny he's still a solid player. The other thing that's bad for the Cavaliers here is that's another guard. That is another guard. If they are to trade Kevin Love, definitely try to get a big man in return. The only problem is I just... I don't know. I didn't really know who else. So I I guess... I mean, if we could rework this trade, 
I'm going to go back. If I could rework this trade, and I'm going to look at it, and I'm going to sit there and say, okay, get rid of Gary Harris because for the Cavaliers, I'd rather get a big man in return. And they got a lot of players that they can give up, like a young big man. You know what I'm saying? But I look at it, and the problem with that is Mason Plumlee does not have the same value as Gary Harris does. I mean, I guess what they could do, I mean, I don't know if the salary caps work, but instead of Gary Harris and Will Barson, Barton, Mason Plumley, and Jeremy Grant, and the Cavaliers could get rid of their 2020 run second round pick, and the Denver Nuggets could add a, hmm, maybe they could add a 2023 second round pick which will be Mason Plumley, Jeremy Grant, a 2022 first-round pick, and a 2022 second-round pick, or a 2022 second-round pick, and Kevin Love. I'd say that's a pretty fair trade, as long as the salary caps work, which they do. It's a pretty fair trade if the Nuggets really like Kevin Love and they're confident in Kevin Love's ability to play center. My only problem with that is, as much as I think Mason Plumley should not be getting almost $15 million a year, he is kind of their center. He's kind of like their guy. Like when I look back at their roster here for a quick second, when I look at it, like who do they have at center? Who can really be a true center that's on their roster? So when they get rid of Mason Plumley, it's like as much depth as they have, I don't really think I can trust anyone to really play the center position for them. So that's where I'm stuck in a pickle. I think Kevin Love could be a good fit for the Nuggets, but I just don't think it's necessary for the Nuggets to make. And if they trade Gary Harris for Kevin Love, the Cavs are adding another guard. So the Cavs are probably saying, well, we'd rather add another pick and get like Mason Plumlee. But the Nuggets are saying that now we don't really have a true center. Kevin Love, not really a true center. So those are my five trades for Kevin Love. A few other, uh, a few other destinations for him could be places like Golden State, Indiana, um, Brooklyn, maybe. So those are, I just think there's a lot of teams that could go after Kevin Love. But if I am a GM, I don't want Kevin Love. I think this guy, he's clearly past his prime. He's got four years left for nearly $30 million. I mean, nearly 29, close enough to 30, $28.9 million for the next four years. For a guy who hasn't been able to stay healthy, he's clearly on the decline. I don't, I stay away from Kevin Love if I'm an NBA GM, but he clearly has some value out there. So that is my uh, five potential trades for Kevin Love. That's going to wrap up today's episode. Hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, the listens have been going down lately, unfortunately, so I hope those keep uh, going up. Again, I want to try to do three episodes a week. Uh, that would be great if I could do three episodes a week rather than two. That's what I'm going to strive for. But again, stay tuned. we got NHL predictions coming up. MLB, we're going to look back at my regular season predictions, make my playoff predictions. i got my NBA Top 100 players coming out soon, so stay tuned for all of that. Go follow my Instagram, at After the Buzzer Sports Talk, all lowercase, no spaces. Again, that's at After the Buzzer Sports Talk, all lowercase, no spaces for podcast updates and sports content. Also, go call in on the Anchor Mobile app. Download the Anchor Mobile app. Type in After the Buzzer Sports Talk in the search bar on the app. Send a voice message. That way, if you can't get the app or don't want to, go on Safari. Type in After the Buzzer Sports Talk by Aiden Mayer on Anchor. Call in that way. Uh, it should pop up as one of the links on Safari or whatever search engine you have. So thank you guys for listening, and I hope to see you guys next time. Thank you.